Mindfulness Mode 193. Creating a life around who you truly are, whatever form that takes. That's that's kind of the, the core of everything that I do. Hey, Mindful Tribe, so good to have you with us again. I'm Bruce Langford, host and mindfulness life coach. Last time, I talked about Bitcoin and BitBlock technology with Amir Rosick. We talked about being grounded, sleeping on a magnet, and other very interesting mindful tools. That was episode 192, in case you missed it. Today, we're talking computer zen. My guest noticed that he resonated with computers, but a lot of his friends didn't. He felt the key to being successful with computers was to allow, to allow the computer to do what it was designed to do. And of course, allowing is a mindfulness concept. Calvin went on to create a teaching program called Computer Zen, and later a wildly successful product for online marketers called Simplero. Calvin Corelli is brilliant in a mindful way. I'm convinced you're going to really like today's episode with Calvin Corelli. So lean back, take a restful breath, and enjoy the interview. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm so excited. I have Calvin Corelli here on the line. Hey, Calvin, are you in mindfulness mode? Hey, Bruce, you better better believe I am. (laughs) I know. You're one of the most mindful people. I can tell that just by uh, hearing you in some of your videos and on your podcast. Well, Calvin Corelli is a software engineer, a creator, a meditator, a musician, an online entrepreneur, and all-round mindful guy. He was born and raised in Denmark and currently lives in New York City. He's created a million-dollar software company called Simplero, which is an all-in-one solution for selling courses and knowledge online. Calvin once created a product called Computer Zen, which helped people use computers while using a Zen mindset. Calvin is a meditator and feels that's a great way to spend quality time with your inner child. So Calvin, what does mindfulness mean to you? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a great question to open with. Um, the, the way I love to think about it is, you know how meditation is really, you know, you, you connect with the breath or the body or just like the present moment. And then you notice your thoughts starting to drift on something or other. And then the moment you catch yourself drifting, you just return yourself, your awareness back to the breath or the body or the present moment. And basically mindfulness to me is living your entire life like that, right? So something happens during the day, we get upset or we get caught lost in thought. And then we're just like, wait, let me just bring this present awareness back to the present moment and my sensations in my physical body and really trying to maintain that, that connection at every single moment throughout the day, no matter what we're doing. Well, I know you're a person who is really aware. You you said you're originally from Denmark, and then you uh, you moved to New York City, and you felt an energy there. Can you describe that feeling? That's right. Yes. I mean, something that I've come to like only fully appreciate very recently is how whenever I step into any kind of environment, I'm... I'm extremely sensitive to what that space is and the energy in the space. And so like, like a hotel or restaurant recently, like last month I was in Hawaii with a, with a good friend and we were going to spend like the last night in, on Waikiki beach. And he had this 
crazy hotel that he wanted to stay in, the Royal Hawaiian. It was super fancy, and I just didn't like the feel there. It sounded great on paper, just didn't like the energy. And he was very, he was very sweet because he, we walked to like several other hotels, and he was like very patient with me despite being super tired. And I was just like, hey, dude, I'm really sorry, but I can't do this. I can't stay in a hotel if it doesn't feel good to me. And so like it'll be restaurants, it'll be whatever. We found one and it was amazing. Um, and it, but it's the same thing with like that feeling of like as soon as I arrived in New York um, in 99 and like stepped foot here, I could just feel it in my body. Wait, this place feels much more true to me, much more at home to me than any anywhere I've ever been. Um, my, my dad always um, makes fun of me because he's like, really? Like in JFK, it's probably the worst place on earth. But yeah. yes, in in freaking JFK. Yes, I felt that. Well, and that's it hasn't really gone away. funny. Yeah, that's funny. But I know what you mean. I, I feel that two different places that I go in. And I'm wondering, is that related to your ability to heal because I know that you have, you have some ability in that area. It very well might be. It's, I mean, it is definitely some kind of sense and attunement. Like, you know how, like you, when I was a kid, I remember walking into, to churches. I mean, in Europe, we travel all over Europe and there are these like thousands of years old churches and you walk in there and it's kind of like, you feel everything like, you know, life and death and baptism and weddings and like crises and whatever that's gone on in the space. And you just like tune into it and you sense it. Um, and I was actually surprised to see later on, um, what's his, what's his name? Mitchell something. He was, uh, one of the first astronauts on the moon. Edgar Mitchell, I think his name is, okay. have you heard of him? And no. the, 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 uh, Institute of noetic sciences, he found it in Northern California. Um, and, and there's this video where he explains how the science behind this stuff actually works. Like these, these walls will actually absorb the energy and store it in a, as a form of information that you can access. And I mean, it's the same thing with, with people and human beings. We can all do this to some extent, right? Connect with and sense what the energy is with people and what's going on and what's not being said and what they may not be aware of. Well, let's go so, yeah. back. Let's go back to your childhood. When did you first know that you had some of these abilities and had a great interest in Zen? Yeah, I it's it was something that would always pop up at like um, um, family gatherings. I would say not so much in my in my own home. It wasn't really it wasn't really allowed there. You know how like when you're a kid. Uh, growing up in a not terribly healthy functional family, like you kind of figure out like, what are the rules here? Like, how does this place function? And one of the rules was you don't talk about those things. But then sometimes my mom had a sister um, and she was one of those people that just like pulled the stuff out of me. So, so I would always hear myself say things that I'm like, wait, where did that come from? And it just <laughs> felt so, so natural to me. Um, and yet I, I really learned to shut it down for most of my life for, for many, many years. Like I was being modeled to me. My mom would read these spiritual books and she would hide them from my dad. Um, because it wasn't, you know, she, I don't know that, that it wasn't acceptable or that she thought it wasn't acceptable. Um, and then I, I copied that. So I would hide my spirituality for many, many years. And, and what also happened was that, that, um, it, she would, 
believe in this stuff, but like whenever push came to shove, it would kind of get pushed aside. And then my dad would come in with his like swords or whatever, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, actual swords, but like the male, like take control and make things right. And so I kind of learned that this stuff is fine, sort of, but you can't really trust it. And it wasn't until about 10 years ago that I started to really reintegrate this side of myself back into my life. And is that when you took a trip to India? Mm-hmm. Yes and no, right? So, so yes, I actually happened to to spend two weeks in India at that time on like a yoga Ayurvedic uh, healing trip, and that was a, actually a very defining moment in my life. Um, and it was definitely like in the early stages of that of that process and journey for me. Um, but I ended up living in India for about a year, uh, much more recently. So that was like three years ago or something like that. And that was actually, yeah, that was more like we were, my current wife and I, we were struggling to get a visa to live in, in, in the U S again. Uh-huh. I'd been out for, for 10 years. And, um, and then she was like, Hey, why don't we go to India and do Ashtanga yoga? I've always wanted to go to Mysore and do Ashtanga. And I was like, what's Ashtanga, but let's try it. Yeah. So no, I'd heard of Ashtanga, but I've never done it before. And so, yeah, then we just went and we actually fell in love with, with living in India for a while. Oh, and then I'm sure you brought a lot of what you learned back with you and applied it into your life at that point. Is that true? Yeah, um, I did. But it's surprisingly, you know, I was actually, I mean, there's a lot of things that I really love about India. Like I was in love with the, with the vibrancy in the air and like the energy of the place. Again, it was just like it was a whole different level for me. It was like everything, the, the colors and just like the sense was just like so intense, but in a, in a really nice way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was actually surprised at the general, um, kind of lack of awareness, um, in the country, like a lot of dysfunctions and families. We had our neighbor across the street, the, they got a dog. It was very cute. They got it as a puppy and then they would just beat it every day. And by the end of like six months, it was like this, I don't know, shadow of itself. And then the son, obviously having seen his dad whip this dog on a daily basis when dad was not home, he would go out out and whip the dog. And we saw a lot of crazy stuff like that. And I was like, I was also kind of surprised that, that there wasn't, um, more of a spiritual awareness in the yoga community. I thought that that would be that, but, but I didn't really see that honestly. So it was, I took a lot of things from India, but not necessarily that, um, um, but it was, it was like, you know, they, they call it, I think they call it mother India, right? There is this for, for, for us at the time, it was a very important thing because it allowed us to really get our feet back on the ground and find, find a footing in life and financially as well. Cause it was cheap to live there. And then finally, after a year, we were ready to make the move here to New York and, and, and get our visa and get everything, you know, uh, working right. Well, I love that you created a product called Computer Zen, which helps yeah. people use computers while having a Zen mindset. Can you tell yeah. Mindful Tribe about that? Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of born out of, of um, I saw a lot of people. I mean, I've always been working with computers. Mm-hmm. My parents were both programmers back mm-hmm. when there was probably a total of five computers in all of Denmark. 
And, and so they were very, very early and they, they taught my dad, especially taught me how to program and I picked it up and I loved it also because I was like super socially awkward and had zero <laughs> friends. It was good to just be with a computer. I could kind of control it. Whereas other people were super scary to me, mm-hmm. but, um, but what I, and I've had this connection with computers, like it's kind of funny with like computers will behave nicely when I'm standing next to them. (laughs) (laughs) Like someone will be having some problem and tried it 10 times and then they want to show me and then it just does it right. (laughs) So one thing I noticed with a lot of people who use computers is, is they will like, you need to work with it. You need to judo. You need to, to, to like let the computer help you. I mean, this goes for everything in life, but for some reason, a lot of people don't think this way with the computers. And so the whole idea is like, how can I make it easy for my computer to make it easy for me? How can we work together on this? So if you have like a fixed idea, my dad does this a lot, but I also see a bunch of other people do it where they have this like idea that it has to be this way. It has to be done exactly this way and it should work that way. Bad news is it doesn't actually work. I think you've just described me, Calvin, on a few (laughs) occasions. And I want to ask you, is this PC? Is this Mac? Is this just computer, like all computers? Just in general. Yeah, computers and software and everything. Yeah. That's really funny. You have to let go of that and then like allow yourself to find the easy way around it. And, and, and that's what we one. have to do in life. So I, I love that. Exactly. Yeah, you have to let go with trying to force things when you're on the computer. But yeah, true in life as well. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's a great analogy for sure. And, and so then you did that. And then you created this amazing software product called Simplero. Yes. So tell us about that, how you moved into that and how it became just so successful and so much a part of what you did. Yeah. Well, so what happened was that um, the the what happened right before I created the computer Zen product was that I had this like spiritual awakening to my life purpose. I think that's not like too strong a way to phrase it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been working with a spiritual teacher for a while. He's a friend of, of Eckhart Tolle and kind of um, out of that school. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had been super helpful, um, like crazy transformative. And like I was at a point where kind of none of what I was doing at that time was working. Mm-hmm. I'd been, I'd even been working, I'd been freelancing for Greenpeace uh, International on and off for like six years. Mm-hmm. And then one, one day they called me up in January and said, Hey, we just finished our budgeting for the new year and we've, we're not going to be using you anymore. We've outsourced that part to India. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, it was a very deep crisis, but it was one of those moments where I was like, Hey, is this actually the universe trying to tell me that it's time for me to figure out what I truly want here mm-hmm. and what my life is about? And I was like, I think it is. So I sat down and I did that. And what I came up with, what I realized or what kind of really hit me in this epiphany moment was I'm here to combine spirituality and entrepreneurship. It's kind of like what my de- both my parents were actually entrepreneurs uh, um, and successful at that. Um, but it was like, my dad was always kind of more of the businessy guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was the one who was pulled in when, when the hit the fan and my mom was the more spiritual, but not like right. really committed to it. And so I was like, you know, what? I need to put those two things together. They're not opposed. They're really one piece. It's really, I mean, if you look at it, entrepreneurship is fundamentally about creating something yes. and, and creativity is fundamentally 
a spiritual life force. It's our sexuality. It's, it's why we're here. We're here to create. It's like the most deeply spiritual thing that you can possibly do apart from maybe creating babies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that was, and once that clicked in my mind, I just saw how everything that I'd learned kind of from both sides of that coin, uh, really fit together. And I was like, I need to teach this stuff to other entrepreneurs. And that's what led me to starting to do online courses. And I discovered that that was a thing back in 2008, which it clearly still is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I needed software to run this business. And then, you know, because I didn't, well, I needed software and I didn't like what was out there. So I started to create myself and it just grew from there. I created it to, as they say, scratch my own itch. And, um, and then people started to ask if they could use it. And then, yeah, um, it just started growing. And that was, there was that moment at the end of 2012. So I guess four years ago today where I realized, oh my God, now this software is making enough money that we can pay all of our bills and not have to like go chase money any other way. And that was, that was really magical. Yeah. That especially been a great feeling. In, yeah. And especially cause what it did was like, once you start, that was always my pattern was like, oh my God, there's a financial crisis. There's like, oh my God, I got to do something to chase money. I, I don't have time to think about what I really want to do in life because I need to make some money. And I, I would always be fabricating some kind of financial crisis so I wouldn't have to look at this stuff because I was scared to look. But um, once I reached that milestone, what I, it brought this common peace and it just really reconnected with my purpose. Like I'm here to share everything I've learned through my life and I'm here to like realize the potential of what this offer can be to help other people share their experience and what they have learned. Um, and yeah, it's, that's why I do everything that I do. So, you know, when you reach that point, money stops being as interesting. Um, sure. yeah. And so what kind of feedback have you received from users of your Simplero software? Oh, um, generally speaking, people really love it. It's, I mean, yeah, it's something that I find software in itself to be kind of boring, but I, I, I really try with everything that I do to infuse it with like this sense of enlightenment. Um, and it's funny cause I've always thought of, of especially Simplero that way. And then a couple of years back, I read this quote from Steve jobs where he was talking about that was exactly what he wanted to do with Apple's products. Like the iPhone, like mm-hmm. make the product so delicious that it's like kind of a little bit, it's infused with that spirit of enlightenment and it's a little bit out of this ordinary or out of this world. And it's, mm-hmm. it ends up being subversive in a way because like just using it changes how you perceive yourself and how you perceive life. And so that's really what I'm going for here is like, infuse it with so much love and, and awareness and presence that it kind of just rubs off on people without them necessarily noticing. Can you just take a second to tell us a little bit about Simplero and how it works and what it does for you? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so it's designed for people who are selling information. Um, so whether that is, you know, audio, video coaching programs, one-on-one coaching or counseling or group programs or, live workshops, events, eBooks, all of those things. And when you run a business like that, you need, um, you need an email list. You need to, to like relate to your audience with email marketing and you can do a lot of automation things. So you don't, so things happen automatically. You need to get paid 
possibly on a schedule or on a subscription or things like that. You need to deliver content and make sure that people get what they need. And these are all the things that Simplero does. So, so the goal is to do everything that you need to run this kind of business so that you can focus on the two most important things, which is, you know, having something valuable to share with people and really truly connecting with your, with your audience. So we try to take care of everything else and make sure that there are no, like technology is not a headache for you. Right. So it's, you can get that computers and computers and feeling. Wow. So you've really, really helped thousands of people. What are you working on now? Because I know you're kind of moving ahead in another direction or maybe a similar direction. Tell us about that. Yeah, everything fits together for me in that, like, uh, freeing people to be, um, you know, I think of it like artist entrepreneurs. So it's like, you know, creating a life around who you truly are, whatever form that takes. That's that's kind of the the core of everything that I do. So um, right now I have a team that that is completely running the software business and they're doing an amazing job. And this is something that's happened in the past few months. And it's it's been a fantastic gift. Um, I think to everyone. Um, and, um, so what I'm focusing on, I was, I just started a new uh, video channel. So a show called the Calvin show, um, where I basically talk and share all of my, my passions. So life experiences, uh, inviting guests. I also have a passion for food, cooking, uh, cocktails. I, for me, drinking, drinking and, and mindfulness is not necessarily opposed as long as I guess everything is done mindfully. Um, <laughs> And, um, yeah, everything else is like the software part and the business part and the artist part, the music, everything. I bring everything into, into the show to just like be as much of service to people in, in discovering who they are. It's really all about, you know, inspiring people to connect back to themselves, like, and, and discover who they really are and how they want to create their lives. So we get told so many things about how we need to do things in the right way and the wrong way and the all that. And I, I don't believe in any of that. I believe that we're all unique and we can find our own path in life and, and do what truly serves us. Well, I love your question that you like to ask, what if everything was exactly as it should be? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And it really gets you thinking. And your show is awesome. And I know that you wrote a blog post about meditation. Tell us about your meditation and what it means for you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's funny because the, the practice of meditation, uh, itself is something that I've, that I've kind of been, um, on and off about for many years. I've been practicing and then not so much practicing. And, and like, again, the, like the, the most important thing for, to me is that it's not just something that I do for like a set amount of time every day and then, and then kind of forget about it and get and run off. Like, I really want to bring that presence and awareness into everything. Um, but I mean, these days I, I meditate in the morning basically, or sometimes in the middle of the day, if I'm freaking out or something, (laughs) but, but, but that's the routine and I actually really like it. Um, and I don't, I've been kind of slow with this. I feel like in many ways it wasn't until, um, like not too long ago that I kind of reread one of my, my favorite books, which is Sherry Hooper's, there is nothing wrong with you which is also an amazing title. Um, and, and there was something in that, like that finally got, she was like, well, the reason that, that, you know, when you meditate and there's 
something like there's an itch or a fly or whatever, there is a reason why you don't like try to make it go away because that's the entire point of it is, is to, to not feel like you need to react to those stimuli. And, and like that suddenly clicked something in me that, that like made meditation qualitatively different for me. And And, do you you meditate with uh, guidance? Do you use guided meditation or completely silent? What's it like? I haven't, I have done that in the past. These days I'm just silent. And what I like to do is like, is just, um, one of my mentors, Gay Hendricks has this saying that he says like, bring your mind into your body and your body into your mind. So it's like really like, you know, you basically, it's like a feeling of your mind kind of literally sinking into your body as well as your, your, you allowing your mind to, to, you know, in, encompass the, the uh, encapsulate your entire body in its awareness. And what I like to do is like, just make sure that I'm feeling all of my body parts and I'm feeling all of the sensations in my body and I'm activating. I have a couple of points specifically that I like to make sure that I activate a point on the back of my neck and the back of my heart and, and bottom of my feet and things like that. And just like, just with like, without the thoughts trying to just to have that like buzzing awareness kind of sensation all over my, all over my body. Oh, I really like the work of Gay Hendricks. I interviewed him for my show and it's just wonderful hearing you talk about how he has inspired you to really connect through your meditation. I've worked with quite a bit with Gay actually. Um, He's a good man. Yeah, definitely is. Yes. Well, I've worked in bullying prevention for some time, Calvin, and I've seen how the practice of mindfulness can really make a huge difference in the lives of anyone who has been bullied or they've bullied others. You know, it can really make a difference. Do you have a story about a specific bullying situation where mindfulness could have made a difference? Um, I, as a child, I was bullied um, quite a bit. I think, think people quickly figured out that that was a pretty easy victim. Um, I, I mean, throughout it, I don't know if one particular episode stands out, but throughout the whole thing, uh, mindfulness pretty much from anywhere, anyone or any, anywhere around that whole thing, you know, mindfulness in me and seeing what was really going on and that it wasn't personally it wasn't about me mindfulness and the people who were doing the bullying mindfulness in any of the teachers to actually be present to what was going on mindfulness in my parents and dealing with like any any those of any one of those places would have made a big difference like what tended to happen was that um people would be like you know if they saw something then they'd be like oh we got to do something and then you know that kind of like you know parental intervention that just is not helpful at all. It just makes yeah. it worse, you know, yes. and just like being with, being with me and, and how I was feeling or them and how they were feeling. And yeah, um, any of those things would have made a huge difference. So what were some of the things that typically happened? Were they kids picking on you and being cruel to you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had that, well, there were some, some, um, some kids in, in the class just above me, mm-hmm. um, that were, they, for some reason they thought I was the funniest thing in the world to, to, to kind of go after. So 
anytime they'd see me around school, they would they would hit me basically. Um, I I don't know what it's called in English, but there's like you hit a certain spot on the on the thigh and it hurts like hell, or you hit mm-hmm. a certain spot on the arm and it just hurts like hell. So they would just be looking out for me during winter time. I would never make it outside because it, when there was snow, because it, the minute they saw me, they would just like be be snow all over. Um, so yeah, so those they just the really like getting a reaction out of you. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, the reaction was, ow, and just like running away yeah. and, and crying. Yeah, they got that. They got that. Um, yeah. And do you have brothers uh, and sisters? Did you, Were you bullied by any of them? No, no. My brother was really, he's, he's just a year and a half older than me. And he was actually, he, he was in the same grade as, as some of these kids. And he would, whenever he kind of could or saw or noticed, he would be there to, to protect me. And he was, I mean, he was, he was the best. Um, but it was usually out of his power, um, to do anything, but, um, yeah, no bullying from, from the siblings. No. And so when did this end? Was it when you just got into high school or later? It ended when, um, I changed schools. So, so between, um, seventh and eighth grade. So eighth grade, I moved to a different school mm-hmm. that was a private school and one that actually valued, um, learning stuff, which was very new to me because that did not happen at my oh, first wow. school. Uh, I'm actually friends these days with with um, the teacher that I had from first through fourth grade. She's an incredible lady. Um, and I reconnected with her about 10 years ago. Um, and um, and like we've talked about these things since. And she's like the, the climate at that school was just absolutely horrible. And it, it was like all the way from the headmaster down. It's just like horrible, horrible climate. So, um, yeah, the new school was, was so much better. There was like, I was, I was still like this socially awkward kid, but, Mm -hmm. but because the teachers actually, you know, they felt like they had, um, that part of their job was actually to teach us stuff and to support, uh, kids who wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. I could just dive into that and, and find friends in that environment. Wow. That's, that's great. I certainly have been to thousands of schools and have seen those kind of differences from one school to another. And, you know, I can I can just imagine as you're describing that it just really changed your life when you got into a school where they really cared, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Then the other thing that was on that second school was was it was a very kind of snobbish, um, like a lot of rich kids. Um, we were, you know, um, rich as well. We were pretty well off. Um, mm-hmm. But like a lot of fancy rich kids. Uh, and so socially that wasn't like, it wasn't so much bullying that. Well, still some of that, but it's like very snobbish feel and like socially very immature and like not really connected. Um, and then I changed schools again between first and second year in high school in Denmark, it's three years of high school and, um, moved to a different part of the country. And that was a completely different, uh, feel. People were, really like cared about each other, <laughs> you know, actually like nice and friendly and wow. welcoming and yeah, you know, um, and also just like socially mature in so many other ways. Like, like the whole guy girl thing was like two years ahead of what was going on in my old school. And, um, yeah, wow. that was interesting too. And that, that, that was when I really started opening up up until that point, I just been like, me and my computer and my, my books and stuff. And, and then when we moved there, I kind of didn't care that much about the computer for 
for a long time because I had friends and they were super nice. Wow, that's that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that, next, you know? Yeah, imagine you had friends and you felt good about the place where you had to spend a lot of your time. <laughs> that was yeah. terrific. Calvin, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Um, I would probably say Gay, Gay Hendricks. Perfect. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? <laughs> radically i mean i've i was i was completely cut off from my emotions for for the majority of my life and so so starting to get all that unwrap untangled and like i remember in the beginning of that process it seemed like everything was just like a, this yawn of like all untangled stuff and i couldn't tell things apart but now there's like i still have emotions which is great i love my emotions i want them but, Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Yes. Um, um, well, it is. Um, I actually do do gaze yes breath every morning as part of my routine. Um, and just like, yeah, I work a lot with my breath and trying different breathing techniques on. Great. Trying to go short here. <laughs> no, 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 that's good. No, my strength. And I, my next question is about a book, and you've already recommended the book "There Is Nothing Wrong with You" by Sherry Harper. So, is that the the book you'd like to recommend at this point on mindfulness? Actually, the one I thought about was um, another one. Uh, a book by John Parkins is called F "It: The Ultimate Spiritual Way," and I've always loved that book because it's so you know provoking to put that word in the title. But it also just makes so much sense. Like a lot of of it comes down to letting go and letting go of attachment. And that's exactly what you do when you're like, yeah, fuck it. And how long has that book been out? I hadn't heard of that book. Um, it's been out for a while, but it was, uh, he's a Brit. So it was out in Britain and, and Europe first. Uh, but it's, it's out there. Right, right. Cool. I think it's like I started reading in 2010. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? Um, how about shutting off the apps? Deleting yeah. Facebook from your phone? Uh-huh. That's a great, <laughs> that's a great option. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Less is more. And uh, certainly when it comes to some of those social media apps, that's for sure. What advice would you give a person who's new to this idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? Um, yeah. Pay, I mean, pay, pay attention to yourself more than anything, right? Like listen to other people and get inspired and just like trust your own sense of what resonates with you because we're all, we're all alike in many ways, but we're all just different. And what's going to work for you is not going to be necessarily what works for someone else. So just really allow yourself to be selective, allow yourself to just see what you resonate with and, and pick that. Do expose yourself to a bunch of stuff. That's helpful. Great advice, Calvin. You know, it's been really awesome talking with you. Tell Mindful Tribe how we can connect with you and learn more about what you have to offer. Yes. Uh, well, please go to my website. It's um, calvincorelli.com. That's where I share the, the show that, that we talked about. And yeah, if you enjoyed hearing this, then you're going to really like the show. Um, so much, so much um, cool stuff going on there. Um, that's it. Make sure that you sign up for my mailing list when you're over there so that we can be in touch. Yeah, and I love your show, and I want to make sure everybody knows Corelli is C-O-R-R-E-L-L. 
I. Well, great talking with you, and thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, all the best. You have a great rest of your day. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.